thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. That music you were just listening to was Don't Sell It, Don't Give It Away by Oscar Buddy Woods. And uh, that music was chosen very consciously by my wonderful producer, David Lawrence Bird. Uh, Everything to do with today's guest, who you will be able to hear in just a minute. That was the sound of my cat just knocking over everything on a shelf. That's what you get for listening to a home-recorded podcast. Oh, my Lord. Well, I hope you guys are all doing great. It has been a very snowy and cold winter here in New York. I am recording this on the morning we're posting, which is on Monday, February the 3rd. And it has finally stopped snowing. I woke up this morning to a blanket of white outside the window. And I have to say it is absolutely beautiful outside, but uh, very cold, very wet. And when the roads don't get plowed, well, it just gets messy. But uh, enough about that. Let's get on to the podcast. Uh, Just a couple notes before we move on. If you have any feedback, if you have any suggestions of people you'd like to hear, or if you just want to drop us a line and say, hey, don't be shy. Email us at lunchwithlegs at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you're hearing and you would like to support this very homegrown podcast, you can do so via PayPal on our blog page. You can go to legsmalone.com backslash lunchwithlegs and you can donate this to this very podcast and get a little shout out if you have a product to shill, anything that you'd like all of my wonderful listeners to hear about, please be in touch. And if you have any questions, you know our email, lunchwithlegs at gmail.com. Last but not least, did you know you can listen to us on iTunes? Some of you may well already be on that and have subscribed, and I thank you so much for that. If you haven't yet listened to us on iTunes, please go to our page. You can just do a search for Lunch With Legs, and please leave us a rating or a review if you like what you hear. That is the way that we get on the map, proverbially proverbially (laughs) speaking. So please help us out if you can, and uh, go onto the iTunes store podcast page, and uh, leave us a rating and a review if you feel like it. We would be most appreciative. And now, for today's podcast, I am so excited to bring to you my wonderful friend, Chris Harder. He has been performing for years as Go-Go Harder, so if the name Chris Harder doesn't ring a bell, hopefully Go-Go will if you guys are uh, in on the burlesque scene here in New York City, and frankly the world, because Chris has traveled all over the U.S., and well into Europe. Um, He did an amazing tour in Germany and England and Holland, lots of places. I'm pretty sure he talks about it on the podcast. We recorded this about a week and a half ago, so it's not super fresh in my mind. But uh, just so you guys know, for the more sensitive among you, (laughs) Chris is now a porn star, and he is absolutely a star in his own right. We do talk about what does it mean to be a porn star, But uh, I guess you could say he's an actor in pornographic films, and uh, you can find him online, you can find him, hey, maybe even soon enough on the big screen. But just so you know, if any of you have a more sensitive constitution and you don't like hearing things that porn actors may well talk about, which I can guarantee you, Chris and I will talk about, you may want to skip this one. Or, hey, listen all the more secretly in your bedroom with your headphones. Because guess what? It's okay. (laughs) Anyway, enough with that. 
Let's go ahead, pull up a chair, get yourself a cup of something, and uh, get ready for this week's Lunch with Legs podcast featuring the one and only Chris Harder. Lunch with Legs. Chris Harder. How are you, honey? I'm great, Legs Malone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh my God. This is, I'm so pleased to have you here today. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so thrilled because you are, you have made such amazing transitions and in a very brief time that I've known you. And I, I also happen to love you. Well, so. like, it, it's shared too. It's not just because we're on, cam- or on camera. God. <laughs> I know Where should I be looking? <laughs> um... <laughs> The feeling is mutual. That's what I mean. Awesome. And um, just before we started recording, um, you blew my mind by saying you eat how many grams of protein a day? Um, you know, I shoot for about 350. Sometimes it's a little under. Sometimes it's a little over. It's what, actually, what does that look like? I mean, that looks like, you know, well, well, it's actually, it's really easy to eat, you know, a lot of protein, as I, I'm sure you know, too. Like eggs, meat. Yeah, eggs and meat. You know, I, I also do a lot of, like, supplement shakes, uh, so that's where kind of, like, the extra 100, 150 grams. I eat a lot of yogurt. I eat, like, a pound of chicken a day. I eat, wow. I eat one animal a day. That's <laughs> that's kind of, you know, a healthy, healthy goal. Wow, diet of champions, I guess. I guess. Athletes. <laughs> Crazy. Rock stars, porn stars. Something, yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> and, um, I mean, one of the – I it's so funny. It's like I never know how these conversations are going to begin. Um, I mean, you have you have been a go-go dancer. You have been a burlesque performer. You are a burlesque performer. You are a go-go dancer still. Uh-huh. And you have recently transitioned into porn, which uh-huh. I am so fascinated by. <laughs> I am so fascinated by it. I am so fucking, like, vanilla and ignorant when it comes – like, I've, I have never watched a porn. You never really, never, never, really, nope. Oh wow. Well, not not that there's anything wrong with that either. Um, of course, but uh, <laughs> I know yeah. I'm in the minority, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny too because people, it, you know, I not that I'm not fascinated by porn anymore. Like I'm totally burnt out or something like that after six months. But um, uh, it's almost sometimes it feels like you know behind the scenes at Disneyland where everything's concrete and like you know. Cinderella smoking a cigarette so it's not always like the you know it's, it's like anything I guess like once you get in on the scene you know the mysteries aren't as mysterious as you once thought but I, I definitely I love porn let me go on the record as saying Woo-hoo! I love porn <laughs> that's totally going in the uh, liner notes of this podcast <laughs> that's amazing so rewinding back you're originally from North Dakota? Yeah, I, I grew right, up. Right, Dakota. Yeah, I know, right? Everyone <laughs> always thinks South because the South has all the fun stuff like the presidents and... Um, oh, right. Of course, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, right. Mount Rushmore and uh, the Black Hills, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes. Although, I know, fun facts. We have uh, the Badlands, which were discovered by Teddy Roosevelt. Um, there's a little town called Medora, which is like a, a remake of a ye old Western town. Where you can go and, you know, ride horses and watch the Medora musical. It was my grandmother's dream uh, for me to be in the Medora musical as one of those, like, singing cowboys. And instead I became a stripper and she just hasn't talked to me since. No, really? I mean, well, kind of. Not really, you know. She sends (laughs) me holiday napkins, which is something. (laughs) 
you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So I know she kind Better of. Better than radio silence, I guess. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I grew up in North Dakota all my life, and then I went to school out there, and then when I I turned 22, I I literally just bought a one-way plane ticket and packed a duffel bag and moved to New York. Damn. I know it was very. It's very much like Johnny off the bus. Yeah, <laughs> you know seriously, what I mean? Johnny off the plane. Yeah. And when you first got to New, York, what year did you get to New York? Um, two thousand and eight. Yeah. Okay. And you went. You pretty much started googling, like go-go dancing right away. Yeah, you know, it, it was actually it was so random. You know, we were just talking about how um how people like get into these scenes or you know. Um, I came to New York to be a quote-unquote serious actor, you know, like literally I I packed like three pairs of jeans and, you know, ten Arthur Miller plays and I just had this dream of being Biff in Death of a Salesman and, you know, like emoting a lot on stage and really tapping into my masculinity. <laughs> And then I, um, then I wound up doing children's theater for about three oh months. Oh, my God. Um, and then I was uh, an out-of-work waiter. Um, and a guy that I was working with at this restaurant that shut down, um, he suggested that I go-go dance uh, at a night at the cock where he was a DJ. Yes. Yeah. So it was kind of like – it was really baptism by fire. I mean, you know, some guys start out at, like, Splash or they'll do, you know, like – a little, I don't know, like a fun, like karaoke gay night. But I was at the cock on, wow. you know, a Tuesday night for like crazy German tourists. I got so drunk. I can't believe I'm saying this. I got so drunk <laughs> my first night dancing. And I wore the worst underwear, too. I wore kind of like <laughs> baggy, like cotton briefs or something. And so the bartenders were trying to like roll it up my ass and make it look sexy. And oh it was just, God. Yeah. Anyway, I passed out on the A train going home and woke up at, like, the last stop, whatever that is. Like Rockaway? Like oh, Rockaway? yeah. Rockaway. Oh With, like, a falafel still in my hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 and oh the star God. was born. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, you know, I don't know a single performer in this city, a, I should say nightlife performer, that has not ended up passed out on the train at the last stop. Of whatever that train line is. Yeah. Either, you know, with food in their hand, on them, not yet touched or tossed all over the floor. Like, I mean, this is this is a rite of passage, I feel. Yeah. And, you know, I was really lucky, too, because my friend had done something similar and woke up and someone had taken a knife and cut through the front oh, pocket of his fuck, jeans yes. and taken his wallet. Oh. Um, People so, use their phones that way too, wallets and phones. Can you imagine waking up as someone is slicing into your pants? Because oh, that no, does not seem pleasurable. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, there's nothing remotely sexy about that. Yeah, not at Fuck. all. Wow, so you went from there, from the cock. Now, when we had coffee together last week, you were telling me how you first started doing burlesque at a club, or um, I can't remember the name of it, on the Lower East Side. Uh, yeah. Well, and you were like, that's where I got... That's where my training wheels got put on and taken off. And oh, my then... God, yeah. And just, like, <laughs> and cru the training wheels were crushed. Um, <laughs> you know, the the first time I ever did a burlesque number was on Fire Island for this party. Wow. Um, God, you did your first burlesque act on Fire Island? Yeah, it was um, it was all the Dude. go... Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, again, kind of baptism by fire, but... Uh, uh, it was actually really fun, uh, but you know, you know, as we were saying too, it wasn't something that I 
thought of, you know, making a career out of. It was just like I was making, you know, decent money stripping and go-go dancing. Um, and then I kind of started getting tired of that. And I found this club called Uncle Charlie's, which I think is still there in the Lower East Side. And they let me put on a show once a week, which then kind of became once a month, which then, you know, shut down because people stopped <laughs> coming. Um, but, you know, again, uh, I think we were saying, like, Gypsy Rose Lee has this mystery year in burlesque where no one knows, like, what she really was doing. Like, probably lots of, you know, hooking outside the club. Sorry, Gypsy. But, um, you know, my first year in burlesque w was a lot of just crashing and burning. <laughs> Crashing and burning and taking off your clothes and just hoping you can get by on that. Oh, my God. Um, but I learned a lot. And uh, after that first year, I started to take it a lot more seriously. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. So in that transitional period, you were still go-go dancing. Mm -hmm. Then you started burlesquing. Out of curiosity, was the term boylesque being used then? Yeah. Well, you know, because I uh, and I had met. Actually, the first burlesque show I saw was at the old Galapagos in Williamsburg. And it was um, world famous Bob who had invited me, and Dirty Martini was there, and Juliette's Muse. Wow. Uh, I think Dr. Lucky and Tigger. And so then I, I met Tigger right off the bat. Um, but yeah, you know, I think boylesque was definitely a term that was, you know, familiar in that community. And then I think as the next couple of years rolled on, and it started to, you know, get more into gay nightlife as well. And, you know, the thing is, too, is that all of this stuff is cyclical. So mm. it's not, you know, I think for us, it was kind of a, a reemergence again of, of that word being out there. Um, but definitely, you know, throughout the history of, of New York and Times Square, the boylesque has been used in various forms. Oh, cool. Because, I mean, I, I just, I don't remember the first time I heard it, but it seems like it really, I was hearing it a lot more often, sort of around 2009, 2010. That's not to say it didn't exist before, clearly. Yeah. But it was just like that's when it really entered my consciousness, and I was just curious if that had, you know. But it, clearly it's been around for Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, well, it's funny, too, because there's different, you know, people spell the lesk differently. Yes. So I feel like the B-O-Y-L-E-S-Q-U-E is, you know, associated with more, like, dinner theater, and then there's boylesque, which is L-E-S-K, -E which is, you know, like... <laughs> so dirty and again kind of like back to this Times Square 1960s 1970s where there actually were you know and again I am not a historian by any means but um you know there there's not male strip clubs really anymore in New York um they're like lap dance clubs but the, I believe there was this time where there was like this intermixing of strip tees but also sex work um, and porno theaters, and it was all kind of, you know, meshed into one, like the yeah. gaiety or the Adonis. Yeah, wow. My goodness, and here we are in 2014. Jesus, I almost said 2013. I know, right? Yeah. Look at, look at the state of the industry now. I have to, actually have to say, I am shocked that there are no all-male strip clubs in New York. That just sounds really strange. Yeah, well, and you know, certainly things pop up. Um, but I think, again, too, it's just it's also, you know, a reflection of, you know, like mainstream gay nightlife. Um, it, people don't necessarily, you know, want to go out and see a strip show. They want to go to a circuit party or, you know, they want to go see like RuPaul's Drag Race Queens, you know, live and um, in performance. So I think that's part of it, I, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, too, like... 
um, gay men are we're all like stuck at being 16 and wanting to be cool so if mm-hmm. suddenly like boylesque was really cool then you'd see you know every homo and his mom out there like <laughs> in breakaway pants <laughs> I'd actually like to see that yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, fast forwarding, and I have to say, your burlesque acts are fucking spectacular. I enjoy watching you so much. And it's been so amazing watching you over the years. I mean, I don't remember what year we met. Um, it would have been, yeah. I guess, 2009? Yeah, probably. Maybe it was two, really 2008. No, but that's when you arrived, you said. Yeah, probably. I think 2009, because I think one of the first things we did together, I don't know how, but it, it was a show on Fire Island that... Um, that we did together, you know. I had, but I had known you before. You and I had worked together before then, because I've only been to Fire Island that mm-hmm. once, and that was 2010, I think. Yeah. Right. I Jesus don't know. Christ. I don't know, but yeah, it's. Uh, so we we must have met sometime 2009 ish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wow. And then here you are transitioning. You dropped, and you were performing as Gogo Harder. Yes. And are you still performing as Gogo Harder? You know, the deal is. Um, and again, I, I don't uh, I don't mind either way, you know, Chris or Gogo. My last name is harder, so I feel like I win either no way. matter what. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think um, looking at, you, you know, oneself as the business side of entertaining, I know, um, like for the adult community, I feel like Chris Harder is um, an easier sell than Gogo Harder. And not that I think, you know, my audiences are are stupid or shallow by any means. But um, I think I'm already kind of a little different than a lot of the the porn quote unquote stars out there. So, you know, to have like an unusual name on top of that, like I, I like to give someone, um, you know, I guess the hook, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes as performers too, we, um, we try and trick our audiences into liking us. So mm-hmm. it's like, if, um, if you can get them in at first and then kind of flip it on their heads, you know, which is part of the reason why I went back to Chris. So, but you can call me whatever you want. Awesome. It was just so funny because in the burlesque world, I know so many people's stage names. I know everyone's stage names, but it's like once the legal names enter yeah. the room, it's like, oh my God, you're, you're a Melanie? You're a Melissa? Uh-huh. You're a Jane? You're a, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, you're an Annie? I was like, what, 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 what? Like, but it's because the persona cultivated is sometimes so different from, mm-hmm. you know, the person when they're not on stage. Oh, so yeah. So to see that, see that break, it's cause sometimes, it's, I mean, it's not traumatic or anything, but it's, it can just be, I don't know, rattling? Sometimes, like, it is. Know. Well, and it's interesting, too, I think, because, you know, outside of New York, a lot of the time, as well, people go, you know, it's not uncommon to do, like, you know, the Key West Festival, and, you know, people are like, well, you can just call me, you know, like, anime backstage yeah. or whatever. Um, uh, so, and, and that is kind of jarring, too. And I think it's partly, partly, you know, because we all care and not saying that people who use their day names don't care but you know it's like um you don't want to like break that magic yeah i don't know and i think it's a vanity thing too like you know you move to new york you want to be called what you want to be called and you you know you create your fantasy yeah for me i i uh, little brooklyn actually once told me when we found out each other's legal names um she said she was in immediately like no don't tell me don't tell me don't tell me she's like i need a i need to know you as legs and b like i don't want to mistakenly call you by your real name like if we're mm-hmm. out or even at a show and it's when <clears> she said that it made me realize 
the people who I do, whose real names I do know, I really have to watch it when I'm introducing them on stage if I'm hosting the show. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes, like, if I've had a few drinks, if I'm not really paying mm-hmm. attention and I, I see the person, you know, it's much easier. It's it's just easier to be like, you know, here's, I don't know, butsy, yeah. hot tits, whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrible name exactly. Butsy hot tits. <laughs> That's so oh pro God. feminist of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as opposed to like, oh yeah, that's Nadine, mm. you know, or Natalie, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. You know, it's funny too, actually, because I found that in the male stripper world and in the male porn world, at least, um, guys want to be called by their their actual names. But you know, yeah. The funny thing is that you know you'll have a guy who's like. Well, my real name's Chad, but my uh, porn name is Garrett, but my dancer name is Steve. But my, I'm just like, I give you one name. Like, <laughs> I will call you whatever you want to be called. I will just call you like Frankenweinerhausen, but all you get, <laughs> all you get is one name. Frankenweinerhausen. Yeah. Oh, I want that to be my boy last name. Okay. I don't, but that's that's that's. Yeah, I I, I get that, and I'm I'm curious. Cause, I mean. The question of identity, especially when you get into nightlife and more like adult entertainment, yeah. I mean, that's something, I mean, like I said, like I don't m- know much about porn, but even like with burlesque, I very consciously want to keep my name separate Yeah, and because talked. I want, you know, mm-hmm. burlesque, Legs Malone is the one who gets naked, right? you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, semi-naked and also you never know who's going to fucking Google search you and I don't want to be like, I don't know. No. It's just one of those things where it's like, I just want to keep them separate. Whereas some people are like, I don't fucking care. Like, performers who have their legal names as their Facebook name and, like, mm-hmm. post all about their shows under their real name. Sure. It's like, cool. I mean, that that's their choice. That's awesome. But I'm just like, wow. Well, and, you know, I think, too, um, and, and, again, we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, depending on what other careers burlesque leads you into or what other careers you, you have already been interested in, I mean, again, it's uh, – it's business savvy, yeah. I think, you know, and for me, absolutely, yeah, um, and you know, that makes sense. Like, I think as, you know, ultimately, um, and I feel like a broken record because I've been saying this a lot, but, you know, whether I'm dancing or doing burlesque or making porn, I, I try and think of myself as an entertainer, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And not in like a lofty, you know, Sandra Bernhardt kind of affair, but, you know, it's, I'm an entertainer. Uh, every entertainer has a specific audience. What are the the demands and the needs of that audience? Um, and I guess what I'm getting at is I I feel in general I I do work in adult atmospheres and I mm-hmm. I don't see myself you know also working in medicine on the side or or fields where you know Chris Harder you know doing porn and Chris Harder the proctologist or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean. <laughs> What a natural side. I know, I know, yeah. It's just, oh, it's just coming to me, the inspiration right now. Um, you know what I mean? Where, like, where it would seemingly clash. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, let's talk about how you got started in porn. Okay. How? Um, well, you know, actually, I, I always forget about this, but around the first time that I was doing Boylesque, I also did a solo video for Playgirl. Um, oh my I god, I remember <clears throat> hearing about that. Maybe you told me about it. Yeah. Or maybe I heard, I, I, oh my god, yeah, of course, I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, so there actually is some video out me, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. there's some video of me out there as Dylan 
I want to say because I just thought that was such a cool name, so sexy. Is Dylan talking about like what I like in women and you know like oh my God. what I think the sexiest part of a woman's body is? No. Um. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but um, the porn thing is something I really went back and forth on, uh, especially the the past couple of years. I was interested in it and then kind of scared of it and then. You know, for a while I thought of it as like an easy way out or, you know, I I think it's important to admit this as well, just to give people, you know, a sense of, you know, one's journey. But there was a time where I was, I was, I would never say I was, you know, sex negative, but I definitely had some really moral, like high moralistic attitudes about sex workers and the sex industry and you know, it it was a lot of bullshit that I concocted for myself. I think partly because I knew there was a part of me that was really interested in it and mm-hmm. intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, almost by kind of denying it or, you know, relying on stereotypes, it, it made it so that I couldn't be in it, you know? Right. And, um, but anyway, to really answer your question, I guess um, after I had been single for a while, I just decided you know, it keeps popping up, either do it or don't do it, you know, like either just go through with it or like let it alone. And mm-hmm. I knew I would be ha- unhappy if I didn't try it out, which is kind of funny because it's like, it is one of those things w- where, you know, you're not just like taking a ceramics class, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're making an adult film. Yeah. So once it's out there, it's out <laughs> exactly. there. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I literally just got online and I applied to like site after site after site, you know, like you would a job. And, um, it's funny now because I, I know that I, again, that I, I really wanted to do this because I was just, I was applying to every place, you know, like I, I had some things that I knew I, I didn't want to do, but, um, you know, some sites now I, I'm glad that they didn't call me back just because I, I wasn't right for them. You know, I was like, oh, sure, I'll do hardcore bondage. Not that I have any problem with it, but I know it's not me, at least right now. Although, like, watching a year old, it would be like, <laughs> Chris Harder's four-way fist fuck or something. You know what I mean? Noted. <laughs> um, noted. I'm yeah, I know. Down. You heard it here <laughs> first, people. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, that that is kind of how it all happened. And... Um, Luckily, the first company that really got back to me was this New York-based company called Cocky Boys. And I came in and interviewed, and uh, um, and then the rest is kind of history. What, what does an interview consist of? You know, honestly, there was a couch, but it wasn't, like, covered in, you know, like, jizz stains or anything. It was actually the Cocky Boys office, I have to say, is, is really beautiful. And I'm not just saying that because I'm still exclusive with them. But uh, it's, um, you know, there's tons of, like, street art on the walls and um you know it, w- it was very much a q a just about what i was into i think a lot of the times too and i i found this after i started you know helping produce a little bit is you know people get cold feet it, it's natural um Absolutely. just just like we see you know students who take a burlesque class and then decide at the end it's not for them mm-hmm. i mean an, an interview for porn is a great way to determine whether or not someone actually is ready to make that leap, you know? Um, So it it was lots of basically like, you know, I I just tried to be as honest and frank about sex as possible, Mm -hmm. you know? I do think it's interesting because from time to time you do meet people in 
in the industry who actually don't enjoy sex. You know what I mean? Or, and you know, again, everyone is different, but, um, you know, I personally got into porn because there's a part of me that really likes being a sex worker, not Mm. just, and of course, you know, the, um, the attention is nice. The, um, you know, working in a film medium is really cool, but, but definitely I think at the end of the day, if I just wanted to do, you know, I don't know if I just wanted attention, I would, I don't know what I'd be doing. What would you be doing if you just wanted attention? Reality TV? I don't know. Oh my god. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think of all the old ways that I would have like like rewind back to college when I was like, I don't like I wouldn't have outright said it, but like how do how do I if I want to be the center of attention, which as a Sagittarius I love doing. Right. Leo Moon, naturally. Um Yeah, I probably would have I don't know. Something where I would have interacted with a lot of like alcohol or drugs, probably because I could. Those would be really convenient excuses for like acting out or performing. Like, right. Bars, clubs. Um, I don't know. That's a really yeah. good question. I. I, I mean, because now I feel like burlesque has siphoned off. Like I found a conduit for all of this mm-hmm. raw energy that I had to express myself. Right. Um. You know, in a sensual or sexual way. And since beginning dancing, I. I know for a fact I'm a lot calmer in general. Right. Um, but also <clears throat> it's like I don't need to be – like I hate wearing makeup on my days off. Like I don't like wearing uncomfortable shoes. I want to be in like stretchy clothing. Yeah. And I don't – it's like – I don't know. There's just – there's something about being a burlesque performer now that I, I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to like sure. show anything off because that's what I do for my job. Right. Yeah, and, and again, like there's a, uh, I'm sure there's a part of you that loves that too. But then there's Absolutely. also, you know, and again, you know, it, it is interesting. I think, like, just you know, that question of one's name and identity. I think there there are some performers that are on all the time, Absolutely. and you know, like always in kitten Character. heels and corsets and yeah. whatever else. And some people too who just. I mean, I love putting on my sweatpants now. Or for a while, I used to have like ugly underwear day where, <laughs> where I knew I was staying home. So I just put on like, you know, like old, clean, but old, like ratty boxers. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. And again, I, I think, you know, partly too, that's, it's just, it's cyclical. Like, yeah. um, I think it is really hard to be on, you know, quote unquote, 24 7 yeah. especially when there's no one there but you yeah i can't imagine that to be a very fulfilling like anybody who would keep doing that after coming to the realizations like wow there's i am expending so much energy mm-hmm. for an audience that isn't paying me if they're even there well you know i don't know i, don't, I mean is, is that a Well, I think it's interesting, too, because and I think about this now as I am getting more into the adult space, you know, and creating content, Um, because, again, like, you know, as you were saying, there's and I think it's okay to admit this, like there is a part of a performer, I believe, that wants that fame or wants that attention. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I do get turned on uh, making a porn. I do get turned on performing for an audience. Um, but then you also think, well, what is, you know, and again, it, it it varies again, I think, from form to form, 
but you know like what is the integrity of the work you know and, and I should say that too like when I make a porn am I necessarily thinking like what is the artistic you know integrity sometimes yes but sometimes again you know it's it's just you know you want to make a hot fucking porn yeah um I guess where I'm going with all this is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with social media today, everyone can be their own photographer, their own yes. videographer, their own everything. Um, you know, we can all be famous in these little bubbles. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, I find myself asking, when do you turn it off sometimes like and, and how do I turn off and and stay humble and stay real and yeah do you know what I mean because I think absolutely I think I mean I think those questions that you just posed are essential questions that performers um, should and could ask themselves yeah um, because just from an energetic management standpoint because to be on that much that's that's exhausting and yeah. you know it's like walking around being like, oh, you know, I wonder if my next big thing is around the corner, you know, mm -hmm. so I have to be ready for it when you're just going down the street to get a coffee, you right. know, like there's something, and I, you know, I, I trust and know that everything happens like that for a reason, you know, like I sure as hell did stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily with when it comes to burlesque, but like I remember some of my, some of my darker single days, um, I, you know, would literally i mean using that exact same metaphor going down the street for a cup of coffee uh -huh. you're like oh my god what if there is my future husband oh my god i almost said future ex-husband ah! <laughs> my future husband like at the coffee shop you know i, I gotta look good and right. i would spend so fucking long getting ready to literally walk down the street get a cup of coffee maybe mm. read the onion and go home and it was you know i'm sure i did it for whatever reason at the time that mm. was valid but you know, there was a, a sense of like, not necessarily wasted energy, but just in sort of a funny relationship with that presentation of self, as it were, yeah. and like the appearance and just, yeah, coming back to the energy. I mean, how much, I guess, not how seriously do you take yourself, but how important is your appearance versus what is the content of your character? Like, maybe I'm going a bit fluey here, but... It's that for me was one of the big defining points was realizing and just overall in my life once I had been doing burlesque and stuff started to settle a lot more clearly now that mm -hmm. I had this really healthy outlet for all of this creative energy I had um, was I can't remember I want to say it's Zora Neale Hurston but it's not there was a beautiful beautiful quote by an African American woman um, about judging not by the color of our skin by the content of our character yeah and to you know paraphrase that you know not judging by you know what's on the outside but instead what's on the inside mm -hmm. because what's on the outside will fade that's impermanent yeah. that will die one day and even as we get older you know i sure as hell have lines on my face that were not there you know five years ago uh -huh. and just even watching how i dialogue with those like in my life being like oh wow like my smile lines are so deep um, that there are certain foundations I can't use because they physically age me sure. looking because they don't, like, I smile and it's suddenly like, what am I, 52 years old? Like, right. Jesus Christ. And it just made me, it makes me think to the people who feel like all they have to offer is their looks. Mm -hmm. And physically, like, I'm only as good as my body, I'm only as good as my looks. I mean, like, 
not, I mean, yes, okay, I'm going to do a terrible, like, stereotype here, like, wild generalization, but it's, like, one of the things that I love going to L.A. for is just people watching, because it's, like, oh, my God, these people are spending their lives, or, you know, certainly, not all of them, certainly, but, you know, the people who are absolutely in the movie industry and modeling, whatever, entertainment, they are spending a serious amount of time, energy, and money into either preserving what they have or, you know, zhuzhing it up, whatever it is. And that's something, I mean, I, I'll have to see what I feel like when I'm 50 or 60 mm-hmm. years old before taking those. I don't have anything against, like, plastic surgery, Botox, no, none of no. that. But it's just, for me, it's from, a, like, a character standpoint, like a content of character standpoint. It's like, why does the outside matter so much? Like, what about your, what's on the inside? Oh, totally. And, you know, again, I, I think it's... um. I think it's a constant balance, you know what I mean, or a constant like struggle to balance that. Because again, you know, as we've said, um, as a performer or as an entertainer, like audiences don't necessarily want to see us work out our issues on the stage. You know, right. they want to see it in a succinct, well choreographed, well costumed, well make up. You know what I mean? Presentation. Yeah. Um, Not paying money to watch you get back at your parents yeah exactly and so it does become that constant you know battle back and forth and i i know too like um again with the adult industry i i try and think for myself what is again what is a way to present yourself in that form so that it's still fitting and that you still you know i do want to come off as a sex object or as you know or you know sexually appealing but how can you also do it and display your personality so that there is a hook you know what I mean? Yeah. Because again, there's just just like in the burlesque scene, there are so sex is everywhere. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like there are absolutely. so many burlesque performers, there are so many sex workers, there's so much DIY porn, um, burlesque classes where you know, if if it's something that you want to get into uh, and partly for a longer term career, it's like, well, how do you really distinguish yourself? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll let you know when I figure it out. Yeah, hey, thanks. I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know. And it's actually, I mean, what, how would you say, like, the people that you've been working with and the people that you meet in the porn industry, how do they compare to, like, people from the burlesque world? I mean, we're in, and I should preface this because I know uh, some of the people who listen to the podcast are mm-hmm. not burlesque performers at all. Right. Um, so for me, my perception and my experience with the burlesque community here in New York City has been one of inclusiveness of real like team player of course mm-hmm. there's always going to be when you get like a lot of women in the same community there's going to sure. be like, little cat fights there's going to be a little backbiting but i think on the whole new york city is one of the unique scenes yes. where people really support each other and really care about the quality of the work that is on display yeah so you know there's a lot more teamwork i feel um so Going back yeah. to my question, like, have you, A, would you say that that's an apt qualification of the burlesque scene, and either yes or no, then how does... How does it compare? Yeah. You know, I, I hands down agree with you about New York, um, you know, having been able to travel to a little bit myself. Um, I, I think New York scene is really unique in that it is both an industry and a community, but definitely a community, and so yeah. you do feel... The support, again, like if, you know, if you walked in tomorrow and said, I want you to call me Tutti Fruity Banana from now on, I'd, I'd just be like, okay, Tutti Fruity, whatever you want. Um, 
you know, and again, that's that is rare in other to find in other burlesque communities outside of the city. Um, I think, you know, again, there are stereotypes about the adult industry and the sex industry for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing, you know, people always say, uh, what is it? Uh, don't get into, become a stripper if you want to make money, do burlesque if you want to do art, or I don't know, something like that. Like, yeah. don't do burlesque to make money, right? Right. Um you know, not necessarily the same thought for porn or for sex work or, um, you know, anything along those lines. And so you do get, I think, a wider pool of people with different motivations. Not everyone is concerned about putting out a sex positive, you know, again. And who is anyone to say what has artistic merit and what doesn't at the end of the day? Yeah. You know, ultimately, again, the audience determines that, whether we whether we agree with that or not. I've certainly watched amazing performers go up in flames, not because they're bad, but because the audience wasn't right for them. Right. Um, you know, I I do feel lucky, again, that I, I am working with a company like Cocky Boys because I think um, without taking a moral high ground, I think they're incredibly ethical mm-hmm. and kind in how they treat their models and their staff. You know, and I, I see that, you know, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Um, and, you know, again, I, I've met, like you said, I've met people in the blessed community that I, I thought uh, could do with an attitude adjustment, just like I have in the adult space. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that after working with a lot of male go-go dancers and strippers and shows that I've produced... I will, I mean, I will kiss the earth that a burlesque girl walks on because, I mean, at the end of the day, 99% of the time when a burlesque girl tells you that she's going to do something or be there on time or make something happen, it does. And burlesque girls and burlesque boys. And again, you know, it's not always the same for strippers. I don't think of it as a lesser work or of them as lesser people because I'm certainly a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just been my personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. What have been some of your, what have been some of the nicest surprises um, that you've experienced since getting into porn? Um, that's a really great question. Uh, you know, I guess I, I was really surprised and relieved and just how relaxed a porn set can be, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the sense that it's not, you know, again, I, I remember, um, when I told my parents that I was doing porn, you know, my father, who, you know, I love him and bless him, was like, well, you know, porn people are this and the porn industry is like that. And I just thought, well, this is so interesting because you don't actually work in porn at all. So how do you know? And I, again, you know, we, everybody is guilty of of making, you know, assumptions like that about, Absolutely. you know, from a... Generalizations. A, yeah, right. on a, you know, endless variety of topics. Um you know, I certainly didn't think I was, you know, getting into the clutches of some like evil flesh producer because I've because I've been in nightlife for five years and I've, you know, already worked with a variety of people. Um, so anyway, I guess what I'm saying, it, it was nice to be able to make, you know, like poop jokes on the set of a porn. <laughs> Total turn off. Um, uh, you know, again, I it's been really great working with cocky boys because they've treated me. It, extremely well and giving me producing opportunities which has been great i've also really gone close with some of um 
you know, my my male co-stars. But it's, you know, it's this weird kind of screwed up brotherhood in a way, you know? Mm. Sometimes you're fucking the people that you work with and then, you know, just casually having lunch the next day. And, you know, it's just, um, it's great because, again, it kind of expands your mind on what your sexuality is and what it's capable mm. of. And I guess the other thing that's really been interesting is uh, to come in contact with more female fans doing gay porn. Interesting. Um, yeah, and again, I think, you know, I know for myself, it was really important for me, you know, 10 years ago to identify as a gay man, mm. you know, and try and fit that of what I thought, you know, the ideal gay man was. And now I just... Um, I don't know, the older I get and the more <laughs> sex I have, apparently. Um, you know, I'm just not as concerned about those lines anymore. And I mm-hmm. think, again, I, I, it's so fascinating to me to meet women. And some of them have been burlesque girls that I work with who are like, I love your porn or I watch your porn. And wow. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's extremely flattering. And again, I mean, why, you know, why can straight people or why should they have to only watch straight porn and why should gay people only watch gay porn? And mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surprise. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's, it's, it's just, it's so fascinating because I can't, like I said, like I'm such a virgin when it comes to all things porn. So I'm, I kind of feel like a kid, like watching a huge TV screen is like, Okay, what what do I want to watch next? What do I want to find next? Well, wow. Um, I guess. Well, what have been? uh, Here's a strange question. Um, For any, say, we have someone listening to this podcast right now who is interested in embarking Mm -hmm. in a career on porn. What would be some of your tips to those people? Well, you know, again, I would say, and again, I. um, Through through the brief experience I've had, it's been about a year now. I would kind of do the same thing that uh, if a guy was asking me about boylesque, you know, I'd, I'd say do it because you really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the one of the interesting things I've discovered the more I do gay porn is that it's also more of a of a launching point for you know male hustlers and rent boys to elevate their careers as sex workers. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're a sex worker that's an internationally known porn star and you can raise your rate. And so right. it has this very much again like. You know, there's a business savvy to it. Um, I think if you're looking to make a quick buck, don't do porn. You know what I mean? Uh, there's there's so many other ways to make a quick dollar in New York. Um, and uh, I'd say, you know, research. You know, even now I'm, I'm finding out things, <clears throat> you know, just through reading the gay blogs and the porn blogs and talking with models about producers and performers and you know there are some things that again i feel are important to be careful of you know like what companies are doing bareback porn and what companies test their models regularly and again you know what no judgment and i don't want to take a moral high ground because we're all adults um but you know you you want to protect yourself you want to protect your product absolutely And, and both in burlesque and porn you are the product Wow. Yeah, that must... I can't imagine what that must be like. I mean, especially with the whole bareback thing. I mean, I'm sure that's a really complicated question in gay porn. I, you know, and I, I, I completely... I, I think it is. Um, just as I think it's it's okay to acknowledge that bareback sex or unprotected sex 
whether whether whatever your sexuality is 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 kind of a fantasy. Do you mm-hmm. know? Like I was saying to someone the other day, we don't necessarily fantasize when we're by ourselves about like putting on the condom or taking out the dental <laughs> dam. You know, like it's they've become for many people necessities or you know precautions taken. Right. Um, so you know, again, I think it's important not to. Uh, put, you know, unprotected sex or bareback sex or bareback porn into this, you know, hellish category. Mm-hmm. You know, again, ultimately be an adult and take responsibility for whatever those adult decisions you're making. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so many questions, so little time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess piggybacking on the question I asked you a little bit earlier, what have some of like, whereas I asked you before, like, what are some of, like, the nice surprises you've mm-hmm. had? What have been some of the sort of, like, things that you didn't anticipate, um, you know, to run into that you have run into? Sure. Well, and, you know, again, I think, and, um, and you know, this happens in many professions. I think, you know, scheduling is one thing. I, again, like, if you, you know, if you get booked for shows in New York, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, if you have to cancel something or try and trade shifts, like, I, I feel awful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the case in the adult space. And so, you know, things are pushed back or canceled or rescheduled or, you know, also it's a different kind of expectation. People get sick. You know, people have off days. Yeah. And so um, you can sometimes fake, you know, your way through a burlesque number for five minutes, but faking your way through six hours of, you know, having sex is oh a lot more God. difficult. Six hours. Yeah. Well, you no know, wonder you're eating 350 grams I know, of protein right? a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And again, that, that also depends on the company and the shoe. The, course, the, the first, um, hardcore scene I shot took about an hour and a half with two guys, uh, but you know, every every shoot has its own demands. Yeah, so. I can imagine. <laughs> so, how has your like uh, body maintenance changed um, since you started doing porn? Because you've, you, you, I mean, you said that you've been working out a lot, and you have. Um, I mean, you're an incredibly good-looking man, and you were Thank slender you. and super handsome, and now you're a bit bulked up and still super handsome. What would you like? How has that changed for you? You know. Um, you know, back to that, you know, what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, really obsessing over your appearance. And, um, you know, again, I, I think. And we're back, folks. Sorry about that. Uh, the audio recorder I was using, the card filled up. Um, so. Our conversation got tragically cut off. We're back. We're back. (laughs) So, um, I had just asked you about body maintenance. Yes. Um, so, so, um, well, you know, let me say again, you know, when I used to teach boylesque classes, um, I really stressed to the guys I worked with, um, you know, don't feel like you have to be this ideal man. Do you know what I mean? Be be the body that you want to be. Like, go after mm-hmm. the body that you want to have. And, you know, I can honestly say that for a long time I've wanted a bigger, you know, body. A, a man's body, if you will. And, um, again, like, it's almost me eating my words at the same time. And I totally recognize 
in a sense that it goes against everything I, I, I say about body image, but it's nothing that I would ever want to project onto someone else, Absolutely. you know? Um, there, I, I really do enjoy working out at the gym. I, I am lucky enough to have a trainer right now. I see him more than I see you, <laughs> than, I, <laughs> than I see my friends. <laughs> um, although, you know, now he's become a good friend of mine. And um, so also, again, you know, from a business perspective, it certainly doesn't hurt to be in the porn business and have a more muscled body. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, And so there's there's that very practical aspect of it. Um, Even more so in burlesque, which, you know, is arguably much more open about body types. But again, we all know as performers that sometimes people don't get picked for the job because of the way they look. And again, you know, back to the idea of New York City being a community of burlesque performers, everyone is always like, well, how dare they? You know, and and, and again, like, again, there is a primary thing. So, well, yeah, fuck them. Like, they, you know what? This is, this is not about that. Right. Um, But unfortunately, the industry side of it is, you know what I mean? To a certain degree. Um, You know, and I also just want to put out there too that, you know, no company that I've worked for um, in the adult space has ever said, you know, go work out or, you know, go eat a chicken or, you know what I mean? Um, it's just, you know, again, it's it's something that I enjoy doing and that I feel lucky enough to be able to do. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing it. God bless it. Do you have some chicken? Alas, <laughs> <laughs> well, I do not. Chicken actually freaks me out. Does it? Yeah. It does. I don't know why. It's just one of those things when I, yeah, chicken. Mm. I think it's just from watching all of, like, the animal rights stuff and seeing yeah. how chickens get slaughtered. I was like, that's kind of intense. And yeah. apparently chicken was the first thing um, that I, when I was eating it, I was very young, and I made the connection that I was eating something that had lived. Oh, sure. I mean, I was really young. Um, but I think ever since then, it's like biting yeah. into a chicken leg and seeing a vein. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but no, to answer your question, I don't have any chicken. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> side note, eating a half pound of beef is a lot easier than eating a half pound of chicken just because it has a little bit more fat content. So it goes down. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like lamb, turkey? Oh, I guess turkey's kind of lean. Yeah. If I want to splurge, I'll have like lamb tacos. Oh, wow. So do you cook good. a lot for yourself? I do, but you know, I cook like frontiersmen like protein meals that are just like brown rice chicken broccoli amino acids um which is not to say that i don't have days where i go to my favorite diner or mexican restaurant and just you know like eat half the menu so (laughs) i actually have some um i am a huge fan of lamb Oh, yeah. Um, and I would love to give you actually some recipes for cooking at home. I would. I'd be um, delighted. The, there, are, there are some good ones in there. Um, yeah, and I have to say, on a total side note, I've learned about cooking meat, um, especially some of the fattier meats. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the seasoning. I know yeah. that sounds like super elementary, but that was news to me. Yeah, well, and you know, honestly... Again, I, I think sometimes I eat food to enjoy it. Many times, especially for the, the kind of training I'm doing now, I just try and think of it as fuel. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And if you can do that, you can eat almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a justification. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my God. So where can people find you on the magical interweb and in person? Well, you know, I've really been working on my SEO or search engine optimization options a lot. That's right, people. How the hell do you work on your SEO? I, you know, it's all about keywords and, um, and, and Google and the... The SEO handbooks. I don't know. Jesus. Um, it's a slow process. But <laughs> until I become number one on the Google search, um, you can go to my my new website, which is chrisharderfilms.com, which is a blend of porn and uh, performance. And, you know, I, I've started doing a dirty vine page but also uh oh my performance God. your vine and i have to say your instagrams as well i actually screamed watching one of <laughs> i didn't know what i was about to see do you know every time i post something on twitter because i my twitter is linked to my facebook i always have someone who's like you're gonna get kicked off of facebook oh, Jesus. you're gonna get kicked off instagram and you know what not to mock it because i i would be disappointed if i was kicked off of the Facebook, you know, kickball team. But um but really, you know, again, business point of view, like people, Twitter and Vine, I think I really think that's where it's at. Facebook is just becoming a, a ranting post board and everyone's a promoter now on Facebook. Yeah. I mean how many groups are you a part of that you groups don't even know and about? How many events am I con- constantly invited to? Yeah. Like you know, and and for many of us, then we just we tune out. So you know, at Facebook, if you don't like my wee wee out there, I mean, Vine does, Twitter does. <laughs> so there. Um, out of curiosity, have you? I've heard Vimeo is the kindest site for adult self-posted videos. Oh yeah, you know. Um, have you used that at all? I have not really gone into it. I'm uh, again, I'm getting more into producing now, and so I. Um, I need to look into that. As you say, well, also you mentioned Chris Harder Films, which yeah. we, you and I, I just learned about like last week. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, um, again, I, I did have a website before, which was gogoharder.com. Um, and I also, you know, did like the Boylesque 101 blog. Um, but again, not that I'm, not that I've left Boylesque or that I've left Gogo Harder behind. Um, but I am, you know, again, as I expand into adult territory, I want, I want a more adult image for my adult <laughs> pornography. Said um, in your adult voice. Said in my adult voice. <laughs> um, so, so Chris Harder films. It's kind of, you know, it's about that. It's also kind of motivation for me to start making eventually my own my own pornography and, you know, exploring what that is. So, um, you know, first step is buy the domain. And then I think maybe the second step is make the t-shirt, but maybe you should actually make the porn. And then the third step is make the t-shirt. Yes, give, give, give them something to think about so that they want to buy the t-shirt. Exactly. Or really blow up the t-shirt so that when you come out with the thing that's not that great, they're like, well, at least I got a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how often are you performing burlesque in the city right um, now? You know, I I do about two gigs a week, two to three gigs oh, a week. Great. Um, yeah, so I still feel very lucky. And, you know, and I'm so guilty of this, too, um, just kind of glancing at posts and stuff. But speaking of Facebook, I, I wrote this post that was, that was entitled uh, Goodbye to Go-Go, and it linked from my blog to uh, – Facebook and all of a sudden 
I had people come up to me, you know, in the community, and some fans were like, oh, I'm so sad that you quit performing or that you're not performing anymore. And I was like, did you read the post? Did you read my blog? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Um, so, yes, I, I still do shows. I, I'll be teaching a class in March, actually. Um, you know, I, I don't think I could ever honestly leave the burlesque world behind. I, I do consider it. Uh, my first home, my New York home. And I, I'm serious when I say I feel so lucky to be a part of it and mm -hmm. to kind of have found my way um, through that community, you know? It's, Absolutely. Um, and I, if you're a part of it or if you've seen shows, you, I think you get that it's just, it's, it really is so special. I, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting... Um, I should say also you can see me on cockyboys.com. Awesome. Yes, so, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. More yes. shameless plugging. Oh, my goodness. But um. Yeah, that's um, – I have to say I, I, I went on Cocky Boys um, and saw – uh, it was like one of your feature things. I think you had posted it on like Facebook or yeah. something like that. And I watched it, and there was part of me that was like, oh, my God, it's like watching my little brother masturbate. There was something really like, oh, God, should I watch this? <laughs> right. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But it was fantastic. I well, mean, thanks. For somebody who doesn't watch any porn, like, mm. I was like, well done. Well, thank you. And, you and know, it's, you've got a good-looking penis. Well, you know, it's it's been called pretty, actually. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know if I should admit pretty, it. Pretty, pretty penis. Pretty, pretty penis. <laughs> you know, I like to think it gets the job done. I, really? I, it's not. It's certainly not the the biggest schlong in the books, but um, but you know, holds its own. Absolutely. So. And yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, definitely cockyboys.com. Um, and are you traveling coming up anytime soon? I'm going to Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. When is right. that? Uh, the February 14th and February 15th for oh um, God. yeah, for the no, Dirty Show. Too. I'm actually even though it's called the Dirty Show, I'm the first porn star uh, to be a part of it. Really? You know what? I should say really quickly, too. Yeah, yeah. That word porn star. I mean, I, I totally, I use it all the time, but it's interesting to me that porn is one of the few trades you can be in where after you make a video, all of a sudden you're a star. So I do, mm. I do think about that, people. I, I don't go around thinking of myself as, as Chris Harder, the porn star. Like I said, I just think of myself as Chris Harder, the entertainer. <laughs> I, 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 I know Dave's going to pick a different song for the intro and outro, but I kind of want it to be Let Me Entertain You. you do? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll request it. We'll find out. Okay. Um, but thank you, Chris, so much for being a part thank of you for my me. podcast today. Yeah. And I can't wait to see your films you know, happen, like where you are a self-produced, self-directing supernova. Thank you. And as soon as it happens, I will um, I'll send you a link and a t-shirt. Oh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. And uh, yeah, no, I can, I, I'm happy to, to give it a shout out on, uh, on the podcast. Okay. Coming up when it's ready. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Legs. Mm -hmm. you. Thank you.
everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chris. If you want to learn more about him or feast your eyes on all of him, you can go to his website, which is chrisharderfilms.com. You can also check him out at cockyboys.com, follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram and or Vine, but don't be shocked when you see things that include his penis. <laughs> because, my God, that Instagram feed, the videos and the vines. I'm just saying, don't be in church watching that stuff because you will let out a very unholy gasp. And that's okay, by the way, just for the record. Anyway, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I wish you guys an absolutely fabulous week, and I look forward to bringing you a brand new episode next week. Lots of love. Be good to yourselves. Bye.